Mark chapter 9, let's look at verse 14 this morning, and we're going to read through verse 29. The Bible says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, the scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him and greeting him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? And then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him, and he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, for he has often both been thrown into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit. And he said to it, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one who was dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hands and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, This kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and I pray that you would speak to us this morning in a powerful way. Give us ears to hear and heart to understand everything that you have for us today. And we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Real, real quick, real quick, turn to somebody and smile at them and say good morning. Give them your best smile. Amen. Well, we're excited that you are with us this morning, guys, and we're very excited about what God is doing. And so this morning, we're going to continue um, on our series that we've entitled um, Excess Baggage. And today, I want to preach something that is vitally important, I believe, to all of us, and that is about the subject of unbelief. The subject of unbelief. I believe that from the scripture we can make a very clear indicator, very clear uh, presentation, if you will, that unbelief and doubt can keep us from seeing the miracle working power of God in our lives. And so that's why today I want to talk to you about unmasking unbelief. Say that with me, unmasking unbelief. Here's what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And for those who come to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of, dilig- of those that diligently seek Him. Both in the Old and New Testament alike, we have the recordings of the great men of God who said that the just shall live by faith. And so there's no secret to any of us that in the world in which we live in today as believers, we have to be about the faith life. 
We've got to be about walking in faith and walking in what we know the Word of God has to say. But I believe over the last couple of years, as we've been experiencing and talking about over the last few weeks in this series, that there are things that we need to leave behind in the previous years that we don't need to march forward with in 2022, holding it and nursing it together. And one of those things, I believe, is unbelief. I believe this is the year that we have to kick unbelief to the curb. Amen? We don't need to carry it around. We don't need to nurse it. We don't need to do any of those things. It's time to release the unbelief in our lives. Unbelief is a sneaky thing because it often veils itself in spirituality. Oftentimes, unbelief can be masked and disguised as caution or wisdom or things of that nature. But this morning, we're going to look and see just how nasty unbelief is and how it keeps us out of our best that God has for our life. So without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. Man, I'm telling you, if it's impossible to please God without faith, then I want to make sure that I am doing my best to walk in that faith life that God has called us to. Amen? I believe we just absolutely need to do that. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know where you've been necessarily. I don't know what you've experienced I don't know, maybe some of the life situations that you've walked through. Some of them I do, some of them I don't. But I want to tell you this, my friend, and I mean this with all of my heart. I have been through too much, and I have seen too much to doubt the faithfulness of God. I have experienced His hand in ways that many would say are unimaginable. I have seen the supernatural. I have seen God heal and restore and bring the dead back to life. I have seen God do exceeding great things that my mind cannot even comprehend today. So I'm here to tell you that you've come by too late to tell me that God can't or that He won't or that He is not able. Let me tell you what the Scripture Scripture says, my friend, the Scripture says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means if He did it one time, He can do it a second time. And He's not a respecter of persons. Let me also tell you this, as we sit here and we're listening to the Word of God this morning, I also want to make something very clear. The Bible says that God is able to do anything that we can ask, think, or imagine or our, our God is not limited by problems or circumstances. Literally, the God who spoke the world into existence where there was nothing. Job 26, 7, I love it. It says, God stretched out the north over the empty space and he hung the earth on nothing. And guess what? He hung the earth on nothing and thousands and billions or however long the earth is, people can debate that. It's still spinning all by itself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The earth is not falling out of the sky. Listen, I'm telling you right now, God is able He's absolutely able to do anything that we need him to do. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen cancerous tumors and cysts dissolve. I've seen uh, many things, financial miracles, things that natural logic cannot comprehend. And so my ability this morning to believe God is not limited because I know what I have seen. I know that God can. But friends, this morning, here's what I want to talk to you about. There is a difference 
between believing that God can versus the fact that God will. There's a difference in believing that God can do it. I do, God, I do believe you can heal cancer. I do believe you can raise the dead. I do believe you can restore my marriage. But there's a difference in knowing what he can do and knowing about his willingness to work in your circumstance. That, my friends, is the difference between knowing and believing in our heads and in our hearts. And so this morning, we're going to begin to look at this and see how unbelief actually cripples the hand of God in our life. How many of you believe this morning that Jesus is and was the Son of God? Amen. I believe Jesus is and was the Son of God. One of the great mysteries of our doctrine on the Trinity, the Godhead, is that Jesus Christ came down to earth in human flesh and he lived among us. He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. And he walked in two, with two legs and had two arms. And he had, he had the body of a human, the scripture said, but yet he never sinned. This scripture is not in our notes this morning, so just throw it out there by memory for you. But Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as he ministered. And we know the story. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth. He was a carpenter by trade. And, and that's what he did until he went into his fullness of his ministry. And it, it, it comes to, to say in Scripture that Jesus went back to his hometown. Where his people are. Where they watched him grow up. Where they watched him walk. Where they watched him do various things. And I love what Matthew 13, 58 says. And we're going to see that scripture that's on the screen for us this morning. Notice this. It says, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It says, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So Jesus was in a situation and a circumstance where there was need. The Bible says that he did not do anything but lay his hands on a few sickly folk for minor ailments. But there was people there who needed a touch. They needed to deliver. But they did not believe. Probably because of their proximity of knowing his childhood and his past. See, you cannot receive from what you refuse to honor. And they did not honor him. Hallelujah. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, I want to look at another aspect of our text this morning in Matthew. Matthew's account, verse 17. We're going to get into this, break it down uh, greatly in just a moment. But let's look at this. It says, Then the disciples came privately to Jesus and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, watch this, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will by any means be impossible to you. Nothing, nothing will be impossible. So here we see just in these couple of instances, and surely there are more that we could mine out in the scripture to show us that unbelief does have a hindering effect on faith. And so this morning, I want to look back at our text 
And I want to talk to you, and we're, as we're looking at unmasking belief, I want to see how unbelief affects us, and I want to see how we can turn our faith loose in our circumstances. Hallelujah. Go back with me to our text, and let's look at verse 14 one more time. It says, And then he came to his disciples, Mark 9, and he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes were disputing with them. Now, let me stop right here before I keep reading. Let me tell you what's going on. The scribes, there were the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes, if, if you had to put a modern-day analogy to them today. They were the fact checkers. They were the news reporters. They were there with their pads and their scrolls and they're writing down all of the details and they're trying to get the eyewitness accounts. Okay, tell us what you saw. What happened? How did this boy respond when these people tried to cast the spirit out? They're there and they're debating. And so Jesus walks up on their conversation, verse 15, and immediately when they saw him, they were greatly amazed. They ran and they greeted him. Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. And, and he asked the scribes, what are you talking about with them? And then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. He was deaf. He couldn't talk. And it seized him and it caused him to have seizures. He was foaming at the mouth and gnashing of the teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. This morning, I want to start off by talking to you, number one, about the tragedy of unbelief. The tragedy of unbelief. The tragedy in this particular passage is that here we have a boy who is suffering at the hands of demonic possession. This man, I, I need you to hear this, this young boy is possessed with a mute spirit. In other words, he is not able to talk. This spirit is causing him to convulse, to become rigid or almost in a petrified state where his body won't bend cast him into the water, and cast him into the fire. So here's the tragedy here, is that this young man is being tormented tremendously. Now, we need to stop right here for just a moment and just uh, insert some things that I think are important that for all of us to know. Uh, the important thing for all of us to know in this passage is that not all sickness is caused by a spirit. The Bible doesn't bear that out, not, nor does uh, the accounts of Jesus when you look at them. All sicknesses are not caused by spirits, but there are some that were caused by demon spirits. And whatever the case may be, this boy was being possessed by a demon spirit, and this demon spirit was affecting his health. It was affecting his mind. One translation calls the boy a lunatic. One other translation calls him moonstruck. He's cast into the fire. He's cast into the water. It's causing him to try to kill himself. Literally, self-harm is trying to take over his life. And so these men came, and we don't know, Scripture doesn't say, but I assume that there was some level of faith that they had in Jesus' disciples, in their ability. Maybe they saw a miracle. Maybe they heard about what Jesus had did in Capernaum or some other town. So what happened? They brought their disciples, or the, they brought their son to the disciples, and they said, can you please take care of this? And they could not. Here's the tragedy of unbelief. The people were let down. The disciples were ineffective. And the boy suffered needlessly. Church, I want to say something this morning. The world needs the church to have faith. 
The world needs the church to have faith. The world is so messed up right now. They're running to psychics and soothsayers and they're having all types of things and they're trying to run after the world's answers, uh, the world's methods to get the answers for their problems. I believe the answers to all of the world's problems are invested in the scripture, in the power of the Holy Spirit and the church needs to have faith in this hour. Hallelujah. When the world is looking for answers, when the world is trying to figure out what in the world is going on, let it be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who has the answer in their mouths and they're not just backed up by words but by their actions. The tragedy of unbelief is how it affects so many people. This boy is suffering needlessly. No doubt that it affected this boy's family and and how that they were dealing with things. And, And it was a very tragic thing. I don't know the disciples or what they were doing, but whatever method that they tried to use to excise this demon, it did not work. It didn't work. Folks, I want to tell you this morning... The world needs us to believe because the world needs answers. And the world needs to see Jesus. The world needs to see Jesus. Let, let, me, let me give you just a little bit of historical background before we get a little bit too further. You say, well, Pastor, maybe, maybe that we're just expecting too much of the disciples. Maybe we're just expecting too much of them. I mean, after all, they're not Jesus, Right? I hear that all the time. Well, well, we're not Jesus. They're not Jesus. But, but don't let me let you get too far this morning without reminding you that these are the same disciples whom Jesus gathered to himself. And he said, behold, I give you power to cast out devils, to, to step on scorpions, and to tread on all the works of the enemy. These are the same disciples whom Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, cleanse the leper, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you receive, freely give. But for some reason, we get to a point at the, at the crossroads of the intersection of this story where the disciples are met with unbelief. You say, Pastor, hold up. But it's the man who had the unbelief in the story. Yeah, there, there may be some truth to that. But that's not what I want to talk about yet. I'm getting there. Everybody say, he's getting there. See, right now, we've got to understand that it was the Lord Jesus who commissioned the disciples to go out into the world and minister. You see, Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18, these verses are not in your notes, but it's the... I call it the Great Commission Part B. Matthew 18, or 28 rather, 19 through 20 says, Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then you have another aspect of the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, where the Bible says, He that go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. Uh, these signs shall follow them that, that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, they shall take up serpents and shall not harm them. They shall drink any deadly thing and it shall not harm them. It says, and the Lord went with them, working with them, uh, confirming the word with signs following. Folks, why am I reading that this morning? Because in the world, like the disciples, you and I are going to meet people who need an encounter with Christ. 
We're going to meet people who need us to stretch out our hands and pray. We're going to need people who are going to need us to hook up with them when they can't hook up with their own faith because they're too close to the situation. And they say, I just need somebody to believe God with me. And friends, I do not want to find myself like these disciples found themselves, unsuccessful. I want to find myself full of faith, full of the Word of God, and believing what God has called us to do. Tragedy of unbelief. The people were let down. The disciples were ineffective. And the boy suffered needlessly. Number two. Number two. Go back to our text with us. Verse 19. And he answered and he said to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, fell on the ground, and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he said to his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. He often has thrown himself into the fire, to the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The second thing I want to tell you this morning is I want to talk to you about the necessity of faith. We looked at the tragedy of unbelief. Now I want to look at the necessity of faith. This man is desperate. Has anybody ever been desperate? Desperate for an answer. Desperate for a miracle. Desperate for God to move in your life. This man was desperate. He tried the disciples and they didn't work. And now here he stands face to face with Jesus. And Jesus is interviewing him. How long has he been this way since he was a child? Throwing himself into the water. Throwing himself into the fire. And then this man has the audacity to look at Jesus and say, I mean, if, if you're able to do anything... Please have compassion and help us. Why did the man say if again? Was it because of the disciples? Was it because I'm not sure? But what we're going to see in just a moment is a couple of things that are vitally important. But I want you to know that faith is necessary to the equation. Jesus told him, if you can believe, anything is possible. I want to say that one more time. If you can believe... Anything is possible. I want to say it one more time because I don't feel like you believe that today. If you believe, anything is, nothing is impossible. If you believe, nothing is impossible. Everything is possible. Everybody say everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible if we only believe. James chapter 1 verse 2, I love this. See, the problem is, we're going to look at this in just a moment, but oftentimes we think that we're in faith, but we're not in faith. Oftentimes when we think we're in faith, we're really not in faith at all. We're in unbelief. And I want to show you from the Scripture. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produced patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and does not reproach. And it will be given to him. Look at verse 6. Let him ask in faith. Watch it now. With no doubting. 
For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Don't miss this next part here. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Verse 7. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. I didn't write it. I didn't write it at all. He said, when you ask, you ask in faith and you believe. Not doubting, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What does it mean to be double-minded? To be double-minded says you got a plan A, but you also got a plan B. Oh, we don't like to say this. See, I told you sometimes faith masks itself in wisdom or discretion. You know, oftentimes we don't like to say that we're in unbelief. Because how many of you know that doesn't sound popular? So, So what does it look like? Okay, God, I believe, but just in case it don't work out, I got this over here to fall back on. That's not faith. Okay, God, I know you want me to do this with my life. You've called me to ministry to trust you. But if this doesn't work out, then I've got this over here. Okay, okay, God, I told you, I know you told me to give everything, just like the rich young ruler, to, to give everything, sell what I have and give it to the poor. I know that's what you told me to do, and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to keep a little bit over here just in case hard times come. You see, that's not faith. A lot of times we think faith is this safe thing. But friends, let me tell you something. Faith is not safe at all. Faith is taking a risk by putting your faith in the the spoken and the written word of God and trusting what he says. There's a necessity of faith. He says when you go to God, you got to go believing, not wavering. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. That's what the Scripture says. There is a necessity of faith. We've got to have faith. Here's the third thing. We've looked at the tragedy of unbelief. We've looked at the necessity of faith. Verse 4, 24 rather, gives us, a clue. Look at this. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. How many of you have ever found yourself in this spot before? Come on. Just three people? How many, of you, how many else of you have a problem with lying? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I I, want to explain something to you this morning, and I'm about to get to where I feel like I need to be today because I want to help somebody kick unbelief to the curb. Uh, But but here's what I want you to see. Number three is the perplexity of proximity. The perplexity of proximity. This man said, Lord, I believe, but I want you to help my unbelief. This man obviously believed something or else he wouldn't have came to Jesus in the first place. 
Uh, there's something in this man that obviously somewhere down the road, he either with his own eyes or with his own ears saw or heard something that Jesus did or he witnessed a miracle in the making and he had faith that God could do it. But the problem is there's often perplexity when it comes to proximity. In other words... Sometimes the closer that we are to the problem makes it harder for us to believe. You don't believe me? Why is it that it's often so much easier to believe God for somebody else? Believe for their marriage. Believe for their healing. Believe for their breakthrough. Believe God to do something in them. And we have no problem in faith. But when it comes to us, it seems like we have so much problem believing God can do it for us. Come on, am I talking plain English in here this morning? Because I know I'm, I'm down to real life stuff this morning. There are some of you in this room, you have seen God do the supernatural. You have seen God do great things. But you went to the doctor and you got a diagnosis. And now all of a sudden fear and trembling and intrepidation has grabbed your heart. And you begin to talk the same language as this guy. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I know you can, but will you? Will you? Will you do it? And oftentimes the enemy comes to us, tells us we're not worthy. Tells us God's not willing. God shouldn't, God, God maybe not right now, but later. Sometimes we're too close to the problem. That is hard for us to believe. But I want to draw you in for just a moment. Because this passage of scripture deals with unbelief from two sides. We have the unbelief from the sides of the disciples. As Matthew's account tells us that they could not cast the spirit out because of the unbelief. And then we have the unbelief factor from the side of the man who says, Lord... I believe, but help my unbelief. The question is, my friend, how did Jesus respond in this situation? Now, it takes you reading it with the right frame of mind to understand what happened. The disciples were people who walked with Christ. They saw him, they walked with him, they prayed with him, they ate with him. They were rabbi, teacher, mentor, disciple. They had that intimate relationship. And so Jesus saw uh, what was in them and he, they saw what was in Jesus and they were connected. They were believers. This man, Scripture doesn't give us any account of what his background was. We just know that he knew Jesus was able to do something. They said, how long has your child been like this? From his childhood. For often he throws into the fire and the water and the spirit convulses him and he foams at the mouth and the disciples couldn't, couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus makes a statement. It seems harsh. It seems extremely harsh. I want you to, I want you to look at it with me in verse number 19. It says, and he answered him and he said... Oh, faithless generation. 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I want to tell you something this morning. Those words, as harsh as they sound, were not to the man. They were to his disciples. Those words were to Christ's disciples. Because we have other instances in Scripture where he deals with them this way. For instance, whenever Jesus is on the sea and the storm is raging and he's asleep in the bow of the boat and the disciples wake up and they said, oh my, we're about to perish. And they wake Jesus up and he gets up and he says, why is it that you have no faith? He stuck his finger in the storm and he calmed it. But Jesus rebuked the disciples. What, I, what I'm trying to get, to you, get you to see in this moment right here is Jesus did not rebuke the man for not having enough faith. He talked to his disciples and then in privately he began to teach them on why they couldn't do what they were called to do. Friends, let me tell you something. There have been a lot of good-meaning people in the world today in the name of Christianity who have hurt people because they came to a prayer line believing in prayer, believing God, and and hands were laid on them, and maybe they weren't healed. And this well-meaning preacher, because he did not want to take any responsibility for the words that they said or she said, they simply told the person, well, I guess you don't have enough faith. And Jesus never did that. He put the responsibility on the minister. But I do want you to see this. In the passage, Jesus, when the man says, Lord, I believe, would you help my unbelief? Even though he admitted that he had some ounce in the inside of him that knew that God was able to do this, Jesus did not rebuke him. Jesus did not leave him hanging. Here's what he said. Bring the boy to me. Because listen, you don't need a lot of faith to do something. You only need a little faith. And this man may not have had a lot of faith. But he had a little faith. And what happened, my dear friends, is that the boy came to Jesus. And Jesus cast the spirit out of the young man. The spirit convulsed him, threw him down on the ground as if he was dead. And Jesus picked him up and raised him back up. And he was able to speak. And he was able to do all the things that he was able to do before. And he was in his right mind. Why? Because Jesus understood the power of his authority. But friend, listen to me. The perplexity of proximity is this. Sometimes we can be so close to the situation that we are just not able to believe. So what do we do in situations like that? We're honest with ourselves and we go to God as they went to Christ and we say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling here. There's nothing wrong with admitting to God that you're struggling. There's nothing wrong with admitting to God that you need some help. And I want to tell somebody this morning that as Jesus did not cast this father in need aside, he won't cast you aside either in your time of need. Jesus is faithful to do what he said he will do. Here's the fourth thing. I want to look at the secret of success. We want to kick unbelief to the curb. Verse 29. 
I love what Jesus did. Verse 28, rather. It says, when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? You know, I got to say something here. I love the fact that even though they walked with Jesus, even though he rebuked them, they remained teachable. Some folks, can't, you can't teach them nothing. They know everything. I don't even know why they come to church, have a teacher, anything. They know everything. These disciples walked with Christ, and when they got alone, they said, you know what, we dropped the ball here. We need to learn. Jesus, don't just tell us what we did wrong. Tell us what, what we did right. Tell us how to do it right. How, why could we not cast it out? And notice what the next verse says. What does he say? He says, he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Which reveals the secret to success. The reason why the disciples were not operating in the level of faith and spiritual authority that they were called to. Is because they were faltering in their fasting and prayer life. Can I tell you something, my friends? There are some problems in this world. Go back to point number one. There are some problems in this world that you will encounter that you will not have the answer to until you become a woman or a man of fasting and prayer. There are some situations, some demonic strongholds, some things that will not happen because you have not lived a life of fasting and prayer. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. Jesus didn't stop the exorcism and go fast and pray for a day or two and say, hey, when I get done with this three-day fast, then we're going to come back and we'll talk about this. It's not what happened at all. You know what Jesus was uh, presenting in this moment? Jesus was presenting in this moment the idea of living a prayerful and a fasted lifestyle. That fasting and prayer was a normal part of his life. And I'm afraid, my friend, in the month of January in 2022, fasting and prayer is no more than a fad in the church. It sells great books at New Year's. We eat salads for Jesus. And we, we, we pray for five minutes a day and we think we can shake the nations. But let me tell you something. Nothing on heaven or earth changes without prayer. Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, nothing, this kind, does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Let me just give you the secret sauce right here this morning. If you want to kick unbelief to the curb, you've got to become a person of fasting and prayer. You've got to get a hold of your flesh and say, you know what, I'm going to pray, I'm going to deny my natural hunger, I'm going to get along with God, and I'm going to let the Spirit of God become strong on the inside of me. That's what I've got to have happen today, amen? So let's unmask this belief today and let God work through us like he wants to work through us tragedy of unbelief, the necessity of faith, the perplexity of proximity, and the secret of success. The key to walking in spiritual authority is living a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. 
I want everybody to close their eyes for just a moment. And I want you to know something today. That Jesus is not coming back for a church that is weak and emaciated with her head in the sand. Jesus is coming back. Make no bones about it. I believe the coming of Christ is more imminent right now than it's ever been. But Jesus is not coming back for a church that is broken and beat down. But the scripture says he's coming back for a church that's without spot and without wrinkle. And friends, we're living in a season right now where there's a sifting and a sifting happening in the body of Christ. People are falling away left and right. Left and right. I don't want to discourage you. I don't want to disappoint you this, this morning. But let me tell you something. It's just the honest to goodness truth. Paul said, let a man examine himself to see if he's in the faith. I can give you a list of 15, 15 well-known Christian artists and pastors this last two years who have walked away from the faith and said, we don't believe anymore. Why is that? Because somewhere along the line, We've become overly fascinated with the popular, with the show, and not the presence of God. And the presence of God only magnifies in our life when we live a yielded life. And that's why we need fasting and prayer. Every historical revival movement that's ever started, started because of fasting and prayer. See, we think, oh, we'll get them if we have the right event. We'll get them if we have the right speaker. We'll get them if we do this or we do that. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the arm of the flesh. The way you get it is through fasting and prayer. That's when God brings a breakthrough. I want you to stand up on your feet this morning. Unbelief is so damaging because it keeps us from receiving what God has for us. I want to leave you with a couple thoughts. The first one is this. If you find yourself facing difficulty in your life and you feel like you don't have the faith to make it, I do not want you to be condemned today. You can't be helped wallowing in condemnation. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be condemned today. There may be somebody in this room, you're struggling with a diagnosis. I mean, you're freaking out on the inside. Because, I mean, you know, other people can say, oh, but don't freak out about it. But it's different when it's growing in your body. You know, so I'm not condemning you this morning. But what I am asking you to do is be honest and say, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. And then step aside and watch what God will do in your life. Friends, every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. First thing I want to do today.